HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Forever Cheese, masters of the Mediterranean. For more information, visit forevercheese.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello and welcome to Cutting the Curd, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is Greg Blaze. On the line, I have the illustrious Carolyn Hostetler, owner and founder of Quality Cheese and the Adopt and Out program. How are you, Carolyn? How's it going down there in Florida? It's going very well. Hi, Greg. It's always nice to talk to you. I feel like I never get to talk to you <laughs> enough in life. I'm really appreciative of you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Let's chat. I'd like to do that. We're going to do that. <laughs> so, today's episode is all about transhumans. We're calling it tradition slash transhumans because the two are inextricably linked, particularly in Switzerland where Carolyn hails from. Uh, we get into Before we get into what transhumans means, I was wondering if um, perhaps you could give us a little history and biography of your company, Quality Cheese. Well, Quality Cheese was born basically out of a lack of good cheese where I ended up living 18 years ago in Florida. That landscape was like a desert when it came to cheese. And I was talking to my friend, Cheese Afro Rolf Baylor, on the phone and complaining what I cheese-wise. And I made a little joke telling him, well, maybe I need to start importing your cheeses. And somehow this might have stuck in my mind. Anyways, a year later, I did a trip through five cities in the U.S. and I showed the most important chefs three different cheeses from Switzerland. It was the Sprint, the Gruyere from Rolf Baylor and an Emmentaler. Yeah. And that was the beginning. That's amazing. I mean... That Beeler stuff, um, I know it's like sort of changed the landscape of how I viewed mountain cheese, Swiss, Swiss, you know, cheeses from Switzerland, and it still does. I mean, I still say pound for pound. I, I've never, I've never sold better um, Gruyere than the Rolf Beeler Gruyere, and uh, <laughs> you know, and I really think it's kind of, it's still 
other than you, is it, is it still fairly desert-like in terms of that sort of cheese down in Florida? What else is what's going on down there for cheese besides? Well, it? you know, it's it's getting better step by step, but it's it's really it's slow. It's very slow. Um, the fact that people nowadays um, like to do cruises and that Florida has a lot of those people who who are. Um, snowbirds and who live other places year-round um, that they are exposed to better cheeses than the regular blocks that they are used to from the supermarket, that helps. Um, I hear a lot of people coming back from a from a, a cruise to Europe and they have cheeses every day for dessert and so now they know what's around and they have the internet to check it. So they want now the good stuff. You, you don't give somebody something better and he goes back to the lower level you always go up it's hard to go backwards so that helps i agree and once i get people hooked on the good cheese that i sell them at the counter they come back (laughs) and yell at me because i make them spend lots of money on good tasting cheese which i really like to do to people Um, (laughs) I, i was wondering maybe you could explain um you know the the name rolf beeler and the man rolf beeler um, are kind of mythical in uh, in cheese lore still, uh, especially for me. Um, and so, when you say um, you brought in cheeses from Rolf, maybe you can and you can explain to us who he is exactly. What's his deal? Yeah. So Rolf Baylor, he came to cheese by the love for cheese, like many of us have done the same path. Um, he is a a person who was the first known affiner in Switzerland. Um, he has been in that business for now about 35 years. And Rolf Baylor is a very open-minded, a very progressive man. And when it comes to cheese, a very, very strong and convinced traditionalist. So he is a purist to the deepest he wants to um, protect all traditions. He does not like trends in cheeses or added flavors. He is a big, big um, um, fighter for raw milk and raw milk products and the free uh, people's free choice when it comes to those questions. Um, Rolf Baylor, he has been called the Pope of Cheeses uh, in Switzerland. And he always splits um, opinions. He is a, a very, he, he loves to talk, he talks very well, and he does not try to hide or to be very, um, um, how to say, to be very uh, conscious. He just says what he thinks and he has strong opinions. And doing this throughout all those years, he has done a lot for Swiss cheese. He has he has had that voice, and he steps in for cheese, for the farmers, for better wages, for better milk prices, all of this. So he's a very important leader when it comes to cheese, not only in Switzerland, but within Europe. He's definitely a polarizing figure um, in terms of, <laughs> of, I mean, I definitely, he, he definitely is. I mean, I am... I, um, I read I read some things that he said that I agree with, and I like I like people who put it out there like that. Um, how did you come right. to meet him? Like, so did was it the fact that he was such a purist? Was that what you were drawn towards um, in no. him? 
No, actually, I I used to be a food journalist back in Switzerland, oh, and uh, I I met Rolf through an assignment. I had to write a portrait on him, and uh, we just we became friends. We clicked immediately. We had the same, you know ideas of food and cooking and lifestyles and people in general and society and that cows should have their horns left etc so we became friends and i helped him um, at markets or events or tastings when he needed people and we stayed friends and and got closer and closer and and his cheeses are fantastic i mean when when i started that business there was no question what i would bring in and start with yeah, that gruyere is, is tremendous now he i yeah. mean he he's a guy you know he's an affiner and most of our guests list are know the affiner is the maturer so he has specific relationships uh with very specific producers i have no idea who his producers are after all of these years i imagine he guards that pretty close um but he does he work with the same people really just over and over again um you yes said, yes yeah, that's that's great. So he's like he his model um, is like the Neil's Yard Dairy model almost. Is that correct? Yeah. Like, so he it's goes basically this. He he does work very very closely with um, cheese makers. By now, after all these years, he says, you know, I'm almost able to make a cheese. And what he likes is the creative part in a cheese. To work with a cheese maker that translates basically his ideas. And he does not do a big deal or a big fuss of who those cheesemakers right. are. He's very open with that. But he loves to work with people that are loyal, of course, and that he knows, okay, if he starts a relationship and a business relationship with me, he will continue with me and we can build something over time slowly, yeah. but with a good foundation. So that's, that's his approach. And there have been people who just didn't work out for him or he didn't work out for them, maybe. And then they split because to him, this relationship in order to create great, great Jesus is something very, very important. And the, the human relationship between the cheesemaker and the affineur, who also often is the one who has an idea or an ideal on his mind, Certainly. and that he then looks for the, the right person to translate this into a cheese. So that's uh, it's very unique, very special. That's brilliant. I mean, and, and would you say that that's part of the reason why? I mean, you are an amazing cheese person, amazing. So would you say that you're you were inspired a lot by your relationship with him in the beginning to become what you are? Because you branched out a lot. You um, you also work, um, Rolf. I, I believe in my knowing of you, that was the beginning of how I knew you. Um, and and the beginning of your program, but now you work with Willie Schmidt, correct? I mean, do you yeah, and yeah. who's a cheese maker? He's like, yeah. he's like the first generation cheese maker, but like a fourth generation dairy guy, right? And like so, you get right. with him, and now you have your own. Your oh, you work with with some of your own um, producers as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. And the reason is just you know when I look, I started out with nothing but Rolf Baylor's selections, and. Over time, you know, you see by going back to Switzerland, looking at this cheese landscape, there's so much 
just great, great cheese Amazing. out there in Amazing Switzerland. Stuff. And yes, and you have you have all the classics, the traditionals from Switzerland. You know, all the the name protected cheeses, Emmental, and so on. But then, since about 2000, you also have those little specialties and novelties yeah. that emerge, and it's so so fascinating. So I decided over time I don't want to leave them out. I don't want to ignore them. I want to take them on and show them to the people here. And, you know, it's hard. <laughs> what I hear a lot is that my product list is way too long. But, you know, would say every cheese on there has a reason to be there and has a story. So it's very hard for me to shorten my list because I don't take on a little baby and then I kick it out of the house, oh, that's you mean. know? So. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> so I would say like the Pope, uh, the Pope of Cheese, uh, he converted you. You are now like a like a cardinal or all you're like you're, you're like a Pope of Cheese, too. I like that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm a Pope. I'm no angel. I know. That, <laughs> I but, like uh, that. <laughs> That's cool. I'm, and, you know. I love I love Swiss I love Swiss dairy Swiss cheese I love I love mountain cheese and I love the cheeses uh, as you say by by Beeler uh, they always have a particular flavor you can see his influence on the cheese because he cures it to get to just that spot like you know those some of those cheeses are are um, you know they're super savory I love like the Togen burgers one of my favorite favorite Alpine cheeses of all time and that Gruyere and they are really consistent in their flavor profiles you know um, even when yeah. you get things that are from different seasons and um, maybe that's a good transition um, for us to uh, to talk about um, one of the most important parts of uh, mountain cheese making um, which is the process of uh, transhumans so mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a short break here and then when we come back we're gonna get into that process so stay with us Today's program was brought to you by Forever Cheese, Masters of the Mediterranean. Forever Cheese is dedicated to sourcing the absolute best and most authentic products from Italy, Spain, Portugal, and Croatia. They started out with just one cheese, then four, and never knew that they would have the breadth of product and the richness of working with so many fantastic producers across the Mediterranean. Michelle Buster and Pierre Luigi Cini have the singular vision to be the best they could be and bring products never before seen to the U.S. They were sure that with education and sampling, there was a market for such a myriad of handcrafted traditional and non-cheeses and specialty foods. Pierre Luigi comes from a family of cheesemakers, and after teaching Michelle all he knew, together they set out one day at a time to make a difference not only in their country, but in the lives of each of their producers. For more information, visit forevercheese.com. Welcome back to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. We have Carolyn Hostetler on the line who is telling us about her awesome company, Quality Cheese, and its roots, and uh, Ralph Beeler, and a whole bunch of wonderful cheesy-related items and things and topics. Uh, Caroline is also the founder of the Adopt and Adopt... (laughs) Adopt an Alp program. It's the end of the day, man. I mean, like, I'm like, wow. Am I a little tongue-tied? The founder of the Adopt an Alp program, which supports transhumans. Um, for those of 
you that don't know what this word means, Carolyn, can you tell us a bit more about the definition of transhumance? And perhaps beyond the definition, like what does it mean for the folks who still practice this centuries-old tradition? Yeah. Um, basically, transhumance means the moving of people with their animals according to the seasons. That's what it means. In order to take advantage of all the different seasons, have to give nature-wise. So in Switzerland, in, in all your um, alpine countries, this means that throughout the summer months, farmers will move up their herds of animals to the Alps and make cheese there, make, take advantage of the harvest of this wonderful, healthy, rich milk that, that those cows have in the summer, and then descend again at the end of uh, the summer in the fall. So why should people, and I know this is an odd question, but I really big, why should people care about transhumans here and like when, as it goes on in Switzerland? You know, what does it mean um, for us here in the United States? Well, first and foremost, transhumans is a deep, deep, very old tradition with, within all European uh, alpine countries of Europe. So French do the same, Italians do the same, Germans, Austrians, everywhere where there's Alps. Um, the Alp cheeses, and please note, say Alp cheeses, these are the only ones that are made seasonally and made right there where the animals graze right. and live and the farmer lives. So there's no alpine or alpine stein cheese. They're alp cheese. That's right. important. <laughs> um, but those cheeses, they by now we know that they are the most healthy cheeses ever made. Um, no other cheese is called officially functional food, and Alp cheese is by now. It's the same as with the olive oil. Um, we speak of the Alp paradox in accordance to that famous French paradox. So these cheeses have enormous potential. Health-wise, these are facts now. There's thousands of studies by now since a year, about 2004. Um, on the other hand, they're very, very flavorful. For us cheese lovers, they are very, very um, interesting because they change. They're never the same summer after summer. They will be different. Um, they are a gift to all of us. Uh, that's awesome. Also, also transhumance is a form and a way of keeping the meadows healthy, um, right. taking care of the meadows, um, keeping the society and the lifestyles in old-fashioned European countries like, I say old-fashioned, Switzerland alive, it's a healthy society. A society wants to or has to work together, is able to work together, is able to um, take lack and just make something out of this. So transhumans basically has two targets um for over here is that we want to show people how important it is to support those farmers actively not Certainly. just with saying oh yeah your cheeses are great but you know a bit expensive um we have to be able to get a realistic life uh, in uh, sorry and realistic idea and picture of life 
on an Alp. Um, most right. people over here, I realized over time, they have no idea what that life up there is. They might imagine a farm family sits outside their beautiful little chalet and drinks chocolate milk out of those little bowls that we always see in Isn't in that what they just movies. do? Don't they just sit up there um, and do that all the time? Isn't that, isn't that, isn't that, I thought that was life, you know? <laughs> so, you know, that life up there is, is more um, characterized by by things that are not around, that we take for granted. Like, not every hut has running water sure. or electricity. Yeah. Um, the dairies up there are, you know, very well, simple. There's not everything around. You just have to make with what you have. Certainly. And, and it's, it's, not, it's not about um, drawing a bad picture. It's just about giving people an idea on how sure. it is and and also to justify you know that an alp cheese yes it will cost more than something that you can just with the with the the click of a of an, an button shoot out of a machine because oh, yeah. this is grown and <laughs> it's handmade and it has a reason to certainly be. So uh, yeah, I think you said a couple things there that I really want to highlight that I agree with. Um, living by the seasons is super important. It's something that I feel like society has gone away from. Um, everything, food is available at every season, produce is available at every season. When I grew up, we had four clear seasons. I always mention I'm a New Englander. I love that. We had fall, winter, spring, and summer. We did specific things during all of those specific seasons. And I feel like that kept, um, kept life in order. People knew what to expect. So mm-hmm. I understand about supporting a way of life. Um, I also so um, I read on your on your website on your Adopt an Alp uh, website and your blog, uh, you have all of these beautiful vignettes about uh, the process of transhumans and living up there on those Alps, um, which is fantastic. I really I encourage anybody to check out the Adopt an Alp website and to read those vignettes. Um, it's dangerous up there. Um, I know. I I read um, a great one about um, you know about. About how vertical those pastures are, and uh, and I experienced that a little bit when I traveled uh, to um, to the Alto Adige, and I hiked up to this farm that had these like vertical pastures these cows were on, and the guy was telling me that they they sometimes lose people because the tractor like rolls all the way down like thousands of meters. I mean that happens up there as well, correct? I mean that's like a that's a reality of life living up there in the, on the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. Like we had the case last year where um you know, for those blogs, I I keep in touch with those farmers that go up there and uh and and talk with them like every week or biweekly to be able to to write a post and give updates and news and etc. And last year I called one and said, "Well, so how are things?" And he said, "Well, had you called me yesterday, I would have summer, but we lost a cow last night. Oh. The cow had fallen asleep on the cliff." And just rolled down and fell to death. Yeah, I read that. And it was a yeah, tragedy for course. that whole environment, the whole team up there. Um, so yeah, things life can be dangerous up there. There's um, something called um, the wild hay man. Uh-huh. They take the job to go and cut grass for the winter in wow. order to have enough hay. 
on all those edges that are extremely yeah, dangerous, that's, and they yeah, have to, to tie up, and, and it's, it's crazy when you see the pictures, yeah. Now, so maybe you could just just to back up a tiny bit, um, just so our listeners know, uh, what is the Adopt and Out program, and how does it and, it and it ties into transhumans, it ties into this to this uh, to this um, process of taking the animals up and making cheese out of the summer gla- grasses, and then clearing and cleaning the meadows. Uh, talk, talk to me about Adopt and Out for a second. Adopt and Out is a an, uh, program. It's in its uh, Third, third year this year, and it's a program that is um, offered by Miss Roma here in the U.S. It's guided towards um, cheese stores, specialty stores, um, stores that that have a, a specific um, role in when it comes to high-end food and and of, of educating people in food. So. Basically, what we offer is a network of um, many, many Alps in Switzerland, and we have a map, and you can see where this Alp is. We have profiles on the website on each Alp, the family that goes up there, or the co-op that goes up there, however they are organized, um, what animals they bring, what cheeses they make, and so on. The customer can pick his Alp, adopt his Alp, and with doing this, they will the store will commit to take a certain amount of that cheese from that out. Right. Um, and then throughout the whole summer, the idea it really is to communicate that program to the end consumers, so to the customers that enter the store. And this is very important in our opinion because we want to teach people about that life on the Alps and and communicate and share with them how important it is for both sides. Americans here have the opportunity to get unbelievable cheese that without this program would never make it across that big pond. And on the other hand, we want to show the Swiss people who still go up on the Alp and take that burden and keep that traditional life that their work is worth it That's every really single minute and that people across the world in America support it and appreciate it. That is the whole idea. That's a fantastic mission. Can you answer me a question? Then? What percentage, I mean, is is that, and this might be a foolish question, but I'm asking anyway, I mean, what percentage of, of these of these guys are still practicing this tradition? You know, I mean, is it is it is it, is it in danger of, of um, sort of going away? Yes, it is. Um, in the latest numbers we have is that in the year 2013, there were still 7,200 Alps. That's a lot um, of Alps. <laughs> populated. And where cheese was made at. There were 13,000 people working on Alps in the summer. So doing transhumans up there. But the tendency is sinking. It's decreasing every single year. Right. The, the very good news is that the, the demand for Alp cheese since about 2000, the year 2000, is increasing. So people are getting aware that 
you know, this is a product that's very unique and very precious. Yeah, people love the Alpine pro- cheese. They like, they love it. They love it more and more all the time now. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean. Anyway, I'm sorry. Please go on. No, that's fine. That is that's uh, the thing is, you know. Also, when I say it's important to to support those farmers and those families actively, that is a thing you have to imagine. Many generations have been up there and usually the huts on an alp are just left to the next generation and they just move on and on so every few generations houses are built differently over there and they last for a few generations so every few generations somebody will have to make a decision okay we need a new roof or we need a new this or that or the barn or whatever and you know, these people, they they do their job, they work hard, they sleep, they get their rest, they are ready for work again. At the end of the day, they can pay their bills. It's not more what they make up there. Yeah. They don't become millionaires on an out. <laughs> so by supporting these people and showing them we want that cheese, we might be able to motivate them to say, yes, let's renovate that house. We need a new house, and we want to go on. We don't want to lose families. No. Like it happened to me this spring. I called one family from last year, say, are you on board again? And she said, I'm sorry, we had to give up. You know, we just couldn't renovate the house. We, we didn't make any money. It's just safer for us. And, and more predictable if we just sell the milk throughout the year to a big company. Right. That's uh, sad. That's, that's that brutal. is very, very sad. And it we totally can, is. every one of us here, by buying this cheese, can support that tradition. I like that. I, and, and so it's kind of like, it seems to me like the, the huts are sort of like, and forgive me for saying this, but it's kind of like a, a hunting lodge. I mean, people, different people can use it. But they're owned by a particular family, and then they renovate it when they need to. Like I said, so generationally, it might fall out because a certain generation will decide that ah, this isn't this isn't worth it for me anymore. You know, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. and they probably don't get any cable TV up there either, or anything like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? It's sort of, it doesn't seem like the lap of luxury, but uh, it sounds like pretty cool work to me, at least in my hours where I think I'm like being driven crazy by city life. You know, you're like, this isn't a good life, and I'm like. Wow, that wouldn't be bad. Lack of people, nice grasses up there, some animals, but I'm sure it's backbreaking work, you know? Um, It it is, and that's exactly it, you know? And there's huts that are very modern and new and that are very, you know, light and big windows. And and then there's the old, old huts that are dark and that are one room and you sleep and make cheese and cook and eat in all that one same room. And there's everything in between you know it's it's the same with life on the alps how it's organized there's so many different forms and styles some people go up as a family some hire employees that they sent up with their cows some um function as a co-op so there's many many different regional mostly um varieties and and versions of those varieties so it's very interesting and that's what what is so um, so enriching about the blog is that these people tell about their life and, cool. you know, like in the midst of the summer, it's sometimes getting um, difficult when people are tired already, still have to work like 15, 16 hour days. That's a long day. 
it's <laughs> it's hard work. It's not sitting at a desk and and checking your iPhone. You know, no, so, no, it is not. <laughs> yeah, so um, I mean, just is, getting those animals up there. I mean, just getting them to the meadow is like, yeah. you know, I mean, like. I work in a very busy place, lots and lots of people. I try to herd them into specific <laughs> areas to keep them away from me. I can and and I can think of getting all those guys up there. And then when, as soon as you get them up there, then you got to immediately start getting the milk out of them, right? I mean, they, they clean up the metal. You get the milk out of them. You start making cheese. Yep. And immediately you probably have to start thinking about, oh, great. I'm not going to get these things down again. You know, like how am I going to get them yeah. down again? Or, or maybe yeah. they like it. And I I don't know. But I mean, maybe the animals like the journey on some level. I'm not I'm not sure. You know, actually, the ones that farmers tell you, the one animals that have been up to an alp, they they feel they they become nervous and wild and anxious in the spring, and they they know they instinctively they know right. that they will go up again. And the oldest ones are the fastest ones on going up That's and cool. doing that walk, that hike up there. That's it's cool. really it's um it's it's super fascinating. It's I, something that's deep, deep, you know, yeah, rooted. That's great. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. I like those elements. I've never done that. I really really want to walk with some group of animals, you know what I mean? Maybe some smaller animals like sheep or something like that. I don't know, but but <laughs> but, I, but I'd really love to, to go uh, through that process, you know? You said something else really was interesting to me and that, that I think about all the time, you know, the demand for Alp cheese or Alpine-style cheese here um, is very high. A lot of people are making Alpine cheese and a lot of people are eating it. I know it's special to me, but why do, why do you think that is? Is it just... Is it all of these things? Is it the tradition? Um, is it the flavor, which I find like super approachable, but really deep, and the and the texture? I mean, I love Alpine cheese. I love everything about it. So maybe you you can give me your take on why you think that the demand has gone up. Well, I think we have done a lot of uh, education uh, in the past years and shown you know pictures and and told stories and shown traditions and i think this does have an impact on on the consumer because they can see that this has a wide wide important very serious background on the other hand i believe by listening to to comments and and feedbacks and all of this from cheese eaters and cheese lovers that americans seem to have a knack for when they hear Alp or mountain and yeah. they think of Europe, Switzerland maybe in also uh, specifically, that they imagine a combination of something very rustic flavor-wise. Sure. So a good little kick in the end, some crunches in the texture combined with a big, rich creaminess. And yeah. I think that's exactly what a well-made Alp cheese can offer you and it lasts you know, forever have- like it just lasts forever in my opinion it's just like the <laughs> it's the model it, it, to me i love mountain cheese so much because it's so much perseveres you know and unfortunately i say this because you know it can be abused can be banged around it can sit in it can sit in places maybe it's not supposed to but it's like still yeah. it's still there for you and it's still pretty good yeah. no matter how you treat it's it always good yeah, and see that that was uh, that was honestly how I two reasons how I got this idea of adopt an alp or it came to me almost this idea. One is 
I love to eat Alp cheese. This is probably a love child of mine. I, love I just child. love to eat Alp cheese. And I love to listen to stories. I love to look at those pictures, those right. mountains. I just, I love that whole tradition. And I want, want, want with every pore of myself to, to save it and to, yeah, to give it the best I can. And the other thing is that I realized that people, this word, Alpine gets abused so badly. You can go Google and you will find life insurances. You will find <laughs> teeth. You will find everything. Yeah. And, you know, Alpine, I, I did ponder a little bit on that. And I, I found, you know, Alpine people, that it gives them a feeling of health, um, pureness, health. Yeah. cleanliness safety maybe it has something very honest to it and i i want to explain to people the real life on those alps and the real value of those cheeses and not not have them a you know pink glasses on right side of everything or do a terrible thing and say oh that these are poor people no they're people who go and do something that their grand great grandfathers did and they know why they do it and how they do it and that they do it right yeah. so it's about really giving people a realistic picture an idea and not you know if if somebody comes and say oh this is an alpine cheese it's really cool and then you see it's made year-round. It's made down right. in a valley where a, a mountain is even far away. That has nothing to do with right. Alp cheese, yeah, you know. And yeah. we work with the Swiss government in this um, regard because even within Europe, it's a big problem that, that people sure. mix up those um, those terms and it, those um, it happens words I'm, between mountain and Alp and Alpine and Alpine style. Because Alp cheese is more expensive, of it course, is. than any other cheese. Well, the if, processes are If you are need there. a helicopter that brings right. you clothes and food once a week, right. then, you know, it's probably an environment that's harder to work in than when you can ride the bus right, right to your dairy and then back again in the evening. Yeah, the so we have to make everything clear why it is more healthy, why it is more expensive, why it is important to be saved. That's, that's, that's brilliant. That's what it's all about. Well, that's fantastic. Um, thanks so much. You know, the, the process of transhumans is super cool. I encourage everyone to, to really you know, check out the Adopt an Owl program and get involved um, because it is. It's totally worth it. Um, and Alp cheese is some of my favorite cheese. i got to stop misusing those words as well. <laughs> Carolyn, thank you so much uh, for coming thank you, on. Greg. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, stay tuned. We'll be back next week with more cheesy good stuff. Take care. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.